to ask Barnabas Grayson to come with our sermon, Three Important Days. Sir? Good afternoon. The day before we left for the uh, Feast of Tabernacles, we attended uh, Joe and Chelsea's wedding there over, I think, Scatusa, somewhere right there. But it was a real beautiful location uh, that, that they had set up over there. It's open-air wedding and uh, had this sprinkling fountain and these pathways that had, uh, uh, not cobblestone, but uh, they were natural rock paths. And uh, it was... Uh, Really a beautiful location. Never thought one like that. You could be found nearby, but it was. And everything was done, like I said, under the open sky. Just lots of oak trees that were there. And the weather was just perfect. But it was a beautiful wedding that, that uh, we saw. And as I was, as Carolyn and I were sitting there uh, waiting for the ceremony to begin, um, something stung the top of my leg. And I looked down and to see what it was. And happened to see that uh, an acorn had fell, uh, you know, from, from one of the trees up there. And uh, I picked it up, looked at it, and uh, I turned to Carolyn and I said, uh, the sky is falling. So, <laughs> some of you maybe remember Chicken Little, you know, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Anyway, I picked it up, looked it over, and I noticed it had a very sharp tip, you know, on the end. That's the way those acorn nuts are. And they have a very sharp tip. And after a while, I put it in my coat pocket. <clears throat> then while uh, we were in Branson going to one of the services, I had on the jacket and I reached into my pocket and wondered what that little round thing was. And it happened to be that acorn nut that I, that I uh, had uh, picked up off the ground. And so uh, I'd forgotten I'd put it there and, and I showed it to Carolyn. And uh, she said, uh, she said, yeah, it's an acorn. <laughs> But as you can see, I'm trying to drive. <laughs> you know, when you're out there in Branson, you got all those little curves and things, and you really have to pay attention to the road. But she didn't say that, but I kind of got that impression. Yet I proceeded uh, to uh, tell my thoughts about it, how that within that little acorn, in that little shell, is a power to grow a tree. Just, it's all programmed in there. It's just There's a pattern in there, and someday that is going to be a tree. So I forgot to bring that acorn. I was going to use it as maybe a prop, but you just have to imagine what an acorn looks like. I'm sure you guys from Oklahoma have trees in your yard. You know what those acorns look like. But anyway, so I started reading about these uh, oak trees, and uh, there are many varieties of oak. You know, some have those little lobbed uh, leaves, and some of them have those. Uh, pins, there are little sharp needles on the end of the leaves, call them pin oaks. And you can tell what uh, variety of uh, oak it is by, you know, the shape of the leaves and, and the flowers and, and, and the acre nut, the cap that goes on, on top of it. So I read a little bit on the oak and the article that I read said it takes 20 to 50 years for an oak tree to produce the first acre nut. And then <coughs> that tree can produce uh, 2,000 acres, uh, 2,000 acres, 2,000 acorns a year, but only one in 10,000 ever grow into a tree. 
So as I looked at that acorn, I realized that it has a one in 10,000 chance to become a tree. But it's not going to become a tree as long as it's in my pocket. But <laughs> so I, I'm reminded of this, this movie, and some of you may have seen it, uh, Ice Age. Uh, where you have this uh, animated character. I think he, it's, a, it's a squirrel, but I don't remember much. It's a squirrel. But he's, he, he, if you can picture him, he's seen rolling this, this acorn, this nut around, and just guarding it, keeping it, keeping watch over it. And he's, you know, wherever he goes, he's, he's worrying over this, this acorn nut because, you know, the Ice Age is coming, and, and you're going to need a tree in the Ice Age. So I thought, well, that's... From that, little, from that little nut, I got all of these thoughts in my head. Anyway, if when you think about the oak tree, uh, it's, uh, it's a, a symbol in religion, it's a symbol in mythology, and it's believed to symbolize strength and, and endurance. It's a, it's a national symbol of the U, uh, United States, and you know, uh, when in the military, the oak leaf symbolizes the rank of a lieutenant uh, commander, you know, they have those oak leaves on their collar, and the silver one uh, symbolizes a lieutenant uh, colonel. But anyway, I thought uh, I would come back to that here at the end, but uh, right now, uh, as the title on the bulletin says, uh, there are three important, there are three days, three important days in the life of the Christian yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So, in looking at those three things, so how are they important to us? There are things that happened to us yesterday, that is, you know, the past, and they're stored in our memory banks. You know, our memory banks, like, a, you know, our little skull up here, or, you know, sometimes uh, people call us, you know, call each other, you're a nut, you know, well, anyway, uh, whether they be good things or bad things, uh, you know, they're in, they're in us. The memory is there. And, you know, they can affect how we think, they can affect how we feel. Uh, in the present, you know, today. How are we feeling today? So these things can either help the things that we experienced yesterday or in the past can either uh, help our attitude or they can uh, dim our disposition uh, toward the future, toward tomorrow. So yesterday, today, and tomorrow, the past, present, and the future. Now, one of the things I noticed most about Branson, we, you know, we've been there many times, is the, the attractions that are there, you know, the places where you can go to uh, watch people sing, do uh, various things like that, and uh, they have to do with things gone by. On the way to the, to the uh, conference center where, where we met, you know, there's, on the right-hand side, there are some log cabins there that uh, have been there for a long time, and they are reminders to those that drive by that, you know, you know they're driving by what uh, was there in the past. So you look at the crafts and antique stores and all these uh, legendary musical pre presentations that they have there, they all serve to remind visitors of their yesterday years, and I'm kind of getting that way myself. But that includes both young and old. But even the young will always remember uh, Branson as a feast site as, you know, as they get older. So Branson is, however, we... You look at it, Branson is, is a place where people from all around come to, to just enjoy what the place has to offer. Some are not there, you know, for the feast uh, as we keep it there, uh, but that's uh, yes, because they don't know about it, but they are a part of the people that you see there. 
if you ever go down into Branson, you know, sometimes you uh, go out on your own to, to see what else there is. And that says a lot to me about the future. You know, Steve was talking about how his family got together, 32, you know, a, a family get-together. That kind of pictures, you know, what that millennium is going to be like. And so that's how uh, I see it uh, with all of these people. And, you know, not just among the church brethren, but those from other walks of life. Uh, Carolyn was talking to uh, a, a lady who came from England. And, and um, so you, you meet people of, uh, of, from different places. There were, I think, 35 or 39 children that uh, took part in the feast by singing and, uh, and uh, all the presentations that they did. And so... That's building memories. That's building things that are yesteryear and that will look to the future. You know, they recited scriptures and, and they had Bible lessons and crafts. So when you mention the feast, their ears are going to perk up. And not only that, when that time of year comes, just like, you know, we do sometimes, we have that feast feeling that is in the air. So they were a part of the feast. You know, their teachers and everybody that did things for them like... Uh, uh, they had Doyle uh, doing all sorts of things, trying to get things squared away, and there was a little bit of rain and, and stuff like that, so had to cancel plans and then redo plans and schedules. But, uh, you know, they had a good time. It, it, things there at the feast are, you know, being put into the memory. And I think that's the way God designed it. You kind of have to go to the feast and be reminded of things that not only uh, make for today, they make for the future. As always, however, Carolyn and I can't help but be touched by that final song that they sing, uh, God Be With You Till We Meet Again. It's always kind of hard to get into it because you have this lump that you've got to clear out of, your, out of your throat. But it's a, rem a reminder of yesterday's, today, and tomorrow, and also knowing that we need the eternal God, our Father, in our life. So how important is yesterday to us today? What lessons has yesterday taught us? Now, in, in Philippians 3, and if you have your Bible, you can do some walking. You know how that advertisement used to go. Let your fingers do the walking. Philippians 3, and verses 13 through 15, uh, the Apostle Paul spoke from experience when he said, he said in verse 13, Brethren, I count, my, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting, that is, overlooking, those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. From experience, he says not to dwell on the past. You know, that's, that's done and gone, and the best thing to do is just overlook them, but instead to look ahead and make sure our energy is spent on looking ahead and following Christ and looking to the future. So in verse 14, he says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So he's pressing toward this mark, this aim that is the prize, this thing that is given you know, as a reward. So if you look back into the Apostle Paul's life, you know that uh, it was one of persecuting the church. And along with that, perhaps there were feelings of you know, envy, of hate, and, and pride, and self-righteousness. In verses 1 through 13 of Philippians 3, that's going back up to the beginning of the chapter, verse 1, he says, Finally, 
My brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. So Paul is reminding the brethren of things to watch out for and it, that, that will keep them safe uh, today and in the days ahead, ahead. And it just was no trouble to him to have to mention it again and again as opportunity uh, presented it. But verse 2, uh, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers because of the concision. In other words, like the NIV puts it, those mutilators of the flesh. For we are the circumcision, which worship gods in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. There's nothing that we can do physically to make ourselves more righteous. You know, a lot of people think, uh, they might think that adorn certain adornments or church affiliations make them uh, more righteous or, or better than someone else, but they don't. In the book of Romans, chapter 2, verse 28 through 29, we'll see. Uh, verse 28, for he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, which, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Philippians 3, again, verse 4. Uh, he says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinks that he has whereof he might trust in the flesh, he says, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew, and of the Hebrews as touching the law and a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, he said, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. So we see Paul had taken pride in who he was and in zeal and in conforming to the Mosaic law like circumcision. Then he realized when God opened his eyes that it is not the outward things that distinguish a person, but the inner moral harmony that he has with God that makes you know, for a truly righteous man. Verse 8, Yeah, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Jesus, my Lord, from whom I suffered the loss of all things, and do count them, but dung that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. If you know, if you have your Bible open, you, you might want to underline the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. In these statements, it may seem as though Paul is not really sure of making it, but he speaks of the power of Christ's resurrection and being made conformable unto his death. 
But what is that power of his resurrection? Romans 8 uh, and in verse 11, it says, If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Really doesn't take much faith on our part to look at an acorn seed and know that if it is put into the ground, it's going to grow, just like any other seed. We know that it's, that's the nature of it all. And the power of the resurrection, the power of life, of life beginning, are those things that we put our faith in because, you know, we are growing. Uh, in Romans 6, know ye not, in verse 3, Romans 6, know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. So we're joined uh, to Christ through the Holy Spirit. Might mention that during the feast, uh, uh, Brandon Perry was baptized there. And, uh, you know, they had the swimming pool underneath there. And uh, uh, Steve was, got his shorts on. And looks like he needs a tan, but, you know, other than that. <laughs> but I, I didn't get out there in the water. And uh, Ian uh, said, you know, why... Why wasn't I out there? But you know how tall Brandon is and uh, how tall Steve is, and he had Matthew go with him out there in the water. I told Ian that, that uh, if I walked out there, they just kept on walking out toward the middle. And, and if I'd walked out there, I'd have been above my head in the water. But Brandon Perry was baptized there. So, you know, that's, we read to him some scriptures that pertain to uh, what he was, you know, doing. Anyway, there's this author of the Bible Reader's Companion, Lawrence Richards, and I want to quote a little bit from his. He says that the closest analogy uh, may be seen in laws governing marriage when husband and wife are united, the possessions of each become the joint property of the other. Similarly, 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 through our union with Christ, we share in all he has, including power to live a new life. So, you could picture the acorn, if you want to, you know, as something that is put into your mind, that it has the power of life in it. It has the power to grow. That is the Holy Spirit. It has the power for a new life. Verse 4, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin." Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no, hath no more dominion over him. Back to Philippians uh, 3, verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh, 
For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. When Christ lived his life in righteousness, he was persecuted for it. And he was killed for it. But it all had a purpose. So what we are today is what matters. Yesterday can only profit us if we learn, you know, from whatever mistakes we, we make. So today is a day when we can start to make spiritual improvement, when we can, you know, start to grow. We have many months ahead of us, many days, many weeks ahead of us, where, uh, you know, the Sabbath day, the weekly Sabbath, is what we, is going to keep us, you know, on track until the next holy day. And, you know, there's a lot that's going to go on between now and, and, and uh, the springtime. But spiritual improvement must be made if we want to, if we want to turn out, if we want today to turn out to be a good day. Uh, you may probably remember the saying, it says, do not put off until tomorrow what you can do today. Um, you know, sometimes I do that. I mean, I do that a lot. I, I keep putting it off, putting it off. And then there comes a time when, as, as you get a little older and a little, little wiser, you think, all, of all that time, those, those opportunities that you could have uh, built on, on things, that you could have done, you know, the work that, that uh, God has uh, given you to do. So, today, do not put off until tomorrow what you can do today. You know, that requires a little bit of thought, a little bit of thinking. In Hebrews chapter 3, and verse 4, For every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. So confidence and rejoicing you know, are those two things that we have to hold firm to, unto the end. Moses was, you know, uh, an honored member in his particular family, but when you look at it, Christ was the one who built it. Wherefore, in verse 7, as the Holy Spirit saith, today, if you will hear his voice, in verse 8, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation, in the wilderness. That verse reminds us, as it says, if you hear his voice today, this voice reminds us that the voice of God can be and is heard today if, if we listen and we, we look at it through in the words that we see in the Bible before us. Harden not your hearts, verse 9, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works for 40 years. Wherefore, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said they do always err in their heart and they have not known my ways. When Israel, you know, led by Moses, got close to the promised land, all they had to do was, you know, go there, but they became uh, disobedient, reluctant, they refused to go over. In verse 11, so I swear in my wrath 
You know, God, you know, he can be grieved and he can have wrath that they shall not enter into my rest. Instead, they were decreed to wander in the desert until every person over the age of 20 had died. So verse 12, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And so in spite of all their yesterdays of seeing God work miracles and in, in, in leading them from captivity, they still could not find total trust in God that he would give them safe passage into the promised land. So we see this writer of Hebrews looking back to that day to effect a change in the present, in the present thinking, today's thinking, as we read it today. Verse 13, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You know, we have at least one day of a week when we can all come together and be exhorted. Be exhorted by the word of God. But as an extension, we can exhort one another. As sometimes my wife has to do me, to exhort me, to, you know, shape up or ship out. Not really. But, <laughs> but you know what I mean? We can exhort one another. For we are made partakers of Christ. We're made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence, our confidence once again, steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, for some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had, not, that had sinned? His carcasses fell in the wilderness. You know, you've heard sometimes, you know, that uh, our bodies are referred to as carcasses. It seems kind of, that's what we become, carcasses. And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest? but to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So today we are faced with a future, a future that is you know, very scary when you think about those things that are going on that we see in the news. Ebola, the enterovirus, the uh, heinous crimes, the flu, terrorism, bad weather, drought among other things, they all have uh, we all have uh, some concern over them. And nowadays when you think, well, you know how you might get a runny nose, you might start getting a temperature and, and uh, you're going to, uh, you know, be a little afraid of others because you don't know what kind of disease they're spreading, so there's a lot of fear. But, you know, we have a confidence and we can joy in Christ. But as one of the message at the feast said, you know, Pray for your daily bread. Pray for your daily needs. Uh, seek God while he may be found. So that's where we've got to put our trust and not have a spirit of unbelief. So these things today, these times that we live in today can really try our faith and give us a lot of fear and concern. And peace and calmness may seem to be out of reach. Yet, 
we must trust God for strength and wisdom to endure. Peace is not something that we are, you know, that are, are naturally comes to us. It's not naturally a part of our being. So God does admonish us in various scriptures to seek peace, to follow peace, to be filled with peace, to pray for peace. In Psalm 34, verse 11, Come, you children, hearken unto me. Listen to me. I, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. It's like you have to pursue peace because it's always something that is just, it just seems so elusive in our day and age. And you have to pursue it. You have to go after it. The eyes of the Lord, it says, are upon the righteous. And his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil. To cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry. And the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. We believe that. The Lord delivers them out of all their troubles. It may take some time. It may take a little uh, stewing or a little worry. But that's, that's the, uh, what uh, God will do. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. Just like, you know, people are aware of somebody who might be experiencing sadness or loneliness. That we become aware of them. So the Lord is close unto them that are of a broken heart. Because he feels their searching. He knows their pain. He knows their anguish, their loneliness. And he also saves such as be of a contrite spirit. Sometimes we are of a contrite spirit. But many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, and not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. It's a, you know, it's a helpless feeling to see, uh, as you might watch TV, uh, floods carrying away the home of a person, you know, down the river or just being flooded away. It's, it, but some things like that do come along, and we can't help but be affected or, or be a part uh, that is uh, in these places that are being, you know, flooded out and sometimes you see on television where we see these uh, people hanging in hanging in these trees holding on to these trees uh, these strong oak trees and, and it said that uh, these oaks have a, tr a strong root system and they're usually not uh, uprooted by these uh, flooding waters so we have a strong root system and that is rooted in Christ the Eternal, our God, our Father, He knew that we were going to have stresses in life, that there are going to be certain pains. And so He has given us a strong root system to withstand the floods of life. I suppose there, uh, people know how the acre nut, you know, when, when it's softened up and the shell breaks open and, and, and there's little tendrils reach out and they start establishing themselves, which were, you know, just really tiny and uh, and, and tender, they will eventually become roots and they will grow into a tree. So it's just like the Holy Spirit. 
that takes root in our life. So, it says, Great peace have they that love your law. When we are ab abiding in God's law, it's an anchor that can keep us from, from, from being washed away. We live in perilous times, and it's often hard to walk in peace and, and to do it calmly. But today, beginning today, we can begin the steps toward peace by walking toward God. So all of the things that we learned here in the past, all of the things that we heard in the message at the feast, you know, in a way they are meant to last through these, this period you know, of, uh, of a blank between the next holy day. God's righteousness and peace work hand in hand. When we find peace, there is God. And when we find God, there is peace. In Philippians chapter 4, again, verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. Let your request be known unto God and with thanksgiving because with that we express our assurance that God hears and will answer. And it is through prayer and supplication that we make our request known. Verse 7. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, things that are just, uh, lovely, things of good report, if there be any virtue, any praise, think on these things. This Greek word think, it, it just means a concentrated focus on those things that we have that are given. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do and the God of peace shall be with you. So those things which you have both learned and received and heard, you know, over the expanse of our life, things we've heard in the past, things we heard yesterday, things we'll hear today, things we'll hear tomorrow, uh, keep those things, in the, and the God of peace shall be with you. So today we can build upon yesterday and be better prepared for tomorrow. That is, you know, the future. So, the Word of God, we know, is not only about yesterday and today, it is about tomorrow. In the last days, it says, there shall be <coughs> difficult times, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Know also, verse 1, that in the last days, perilous, that just means dangerous times, shall come. And it gives a reason. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. And we see that, you know, how parents uh, can abuse their children, even kill them in and, 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 and marriages that are not holy but unholy. Truth breakers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. There were people who were despisers of Christ because he was good. They're Traitors, he, uh, heady, high-minded lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. 
how true those words are today. And these things are taking place today. They took place yesterday. And they're, ha they're affecting our tomorrow. Now one of the downfalls, and there are many, of our nation is its disbelief in God and his commandments. Its refusal to seek peace by, you know, finding the things that cause strife. In Micah chapter 7, verse, starting with verse 2, uh, verse 1, actually, Micah, you know, he, he sees himself going out at harvest time looking for fruit. And he found nothing growing, no fruit, no crop. And he says, you know, woe is me. Uh, he longs for righteous fellowship, yet he's alone. And he says in verse 2, the good man is perished out of the earth. And there is none upright among men. They all lie in wait for blood. They hunt every man, his brother, with a net that they may do evil with both hands earnestly. The prince asks, and the judge asks for a reward. And the great man, he utters his mischievous desire. So they wrap it up. But we look for a, the kingdom wherein there dwells righteousness. When all these, these things that we see taking place today are no longer a, a part of mankind. Daniel 11.44 says, and Daniel was in the midst of Babylon. He was in captivity. Then, but he knew there was a kingdom of peace that is to come. But, but before them, you know, four world-ruling uh, kingdoms would trouble the earth. And in verse 44, in the days of these kings, and this is what in the future holds, and in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. In Daniel 7, verse 18, And the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Zechariah chapter 14. It speaks of, you know, Behold, the day of the Lord comes. And all nations will, you know, gather... Uh, Against Jerusalem, the city shall be taken, and so on. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And verse 4, this, this future uh, thing that we're looking forward to, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem, on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof, toward the east, toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley. And half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. And we, you know, read elsewhere that Christ shall be king over all the earth. So, no matter what happened yesterday, no matter what happens today, there is hope for tomorrow. One more scripture, Revelation chapter 22, verse 1. And John was, you know, blessed to see this, even though it may have been in symbol and things that he didn't quite understand, but he put it there for our benefit. Christ put it there to reveal it to us. Verse 1, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Uh, I have, you know, there, whenever I see a river, it's always cloudy and murky to me, and uh, I hear that, you know, at some of the beaches that are around the coast, the ocean water is just so clear you can see, you know, 
a, a good distance below its depth. So I picture this river as a very clear, very pure, uh, a pure river of water. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. You know, the forehead part is where uh, your character, your, your memory, your brain, everything there shall be in their foreheads. And I don't know, maybe it will be written on there, but I don't know for sure. But, and there shall be no night there, and they need no candle. You know, in those days, speaking, they, they, that's what they used for light candles. Uh, you can say, well, there'll be no need for light bulbs, you know. Neither light of the sun, for the Lord gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, these sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which, shortly, which must shortly be done. These sayings are faithful and true. One closing scripture, Hebrews 13, just verse 8. It says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God's word, his love, his presence, his help is today the same as it was yesterday and is today and will be tomorrow. Three important days that Christians should remember, that we should remember in our journey toward the kingdom of God. And from that small, tiny oak, that tiny acre that I showed you, will someday, you know, will someday grow large, and we will grow also if we are rooted in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior.